0: Okay, awesome. All right, so um, the story (coughs) continues. All right, what story have we been talking about? God's story, okay. So this is what God has been doing with humanity, with the world, ever since the world was created. So where we left off last time, somebody really important died. uh, And that person was Moses, right? And as he died, he kind of put the responsibility on one of his teachers, one of his disciples, one of the ones that was under him. And his name was Joshua. And uh, he pretty much entrusted him with the responsibility of continuing the job that Moses started with the Israelites when they were still in Egypt. Okay, So <clears throat> he pretty much says, look, here's how far I'm going. I'm getting ready to die. You are the next leader. You pick up where we left off and you continue. So, where they left off was pretty much at the end of the 40 year years of wandering in the desert. And we talked about it, why they were wandering, and they were wandering in the deserts because they were reluctant to trust God and go in and inhabit and take the promised land when they first had an opportunity to do so. And they first had an opportunity to do so the 40 years before when Joshua and Caleb, who were part of the initial spies, were the ones that went over and saw it. And they said, The promised land is fantastic. It's beautiful. It's green. The grapes are awesome and big. Um, but there's giants. So they make heels. But other than that, it's awesome, right? But when they had that opportunity to first take on the promised land, they instead chose not to follow God, okay? And as a result, you know, they had to kind of go through this process of trial, of learning to trust God over the span of four years. God told them that all the old generation, the ones that were reluctant to follow God, would die off. And eventually the new generation, the ones that would kind of grow up, would be the one that would actually go and take the promised land under the leadership of Joshua, <coughs> who is now the person that has taken the position of Moses. So just like Moses, the one that said to the Israelites, all right, we're all coming together, and we're going to leave Egypt, and we're going to go into the Promised Land. Now, his successor is Joshua. So, the thing to see is that the position of Joshua is a very important one. Okay, he's entrusted with pretty much millions of people and their livelihood. You know, kind of like when Moses was leading them, and you know, he would ask of God to provide for all of these people. Right now, Joshua has that responsibility, so it's a very big responsibility. Okay, not a small thing. Um, some would say it's a scary place to be because it's a big responsibility, right? And some of us have been in difficult responsibilities, whether it's a new job and it's really difficult. Um, uh, whether you just got married, like me and Grace did, or um, had a child like Kevin and Melissa, or a change is happening in the, in the life, right? It's new responsibilities, it maybe overwhelming, right? So think about Joshua. Okay, he's got two million people behind him. Joshua is really calm and peaceful and faithful, right? And the reason is because he is very, very closely connected to God and he's in tune with God wants him to So let's talk a little bit about kind of where we were so far. So you can kind of, let's connect the story. We started way over there in the Euphrates River in that fertile crescent down there. And we talked about Abraham being called, going over there, coming down to the promised land. We talked about um the birth of Isaac. We talked about Jacob and all the kids and how they had the issue with Joseph, how he was sold into slavery. He went all the way to Egypt. He ended up being very important. He brought his family over to Egypt because there was a famine in Israel. They ended up living in Egypt. Then years and years and years passed. The Pharaoh forgot that Joseph was a very important man and all of the Israelites that had multiplied in Egypt who was about... 2 million of them at the time then they were just slaves, they weren't liked they weren't respected um, so the time comes for them to actually leave Egypt and slavery and be freed and go finally into the promised land, so God calls Moses Moses rejects the calling of God at first and kind of leaves and does some other things and kind of grows and prepares, eventually he comes back and embraces what God is calling him to do and he goes and gathers all of the Israelites tells the Pharaoh all right buddy it's time for us to leave a good life we'll see you later Pharaoh rebels against it a little bit but God helps them out takes care of the thing and then they eventually go on their really interesting journey through deserts and mountains and crossing between seas and God opens them it's amazing obviously that's why they have 1400 movies made about the leaving of Israel um, from the land of Egypt and going into the promised land, right? You know, we have the Prince of Egypt, we have um, the Ten Commandments, old school, classic movie, people like hers, and then we have the new one, what was it called, Kevin? Exodus Gods and Men, something like that? Something along those lines. Anyways, uh, it's a really interesting story. It's a story that, like if somebody was to make a movie, people would go and pay money to go and watch it, right? So people are like, but this was reality, this was what's happening. Um, as these people were being led. And then we talked about how they got a little sidetracked in the desert 40 years past. And now, after all of those years, the time has come. And guys, like, like, alright guys, this is it. The time you spent wondering, the time you spent asking, the time you spent wondering if it's ever going to happen, the time has come. But, You're going to have to be really, really close to me. You're going to have to listen. You're going to have to trust me. You're going to have to be courageous. And we're going to do this thing together. So let's go into the next slide. Uh, All right. So we'll see why the horn is important eventually a little bit later in the story. Go on to the next one. All right. Keep this in mind, okay? As we're talking about this, again, keep it in the context of this is just a chapter. Just a small chapter of the great story of the things that God is doing. And remember, God called Israel from the beginning to be a separate nation, to be a nation that's connected with him, and they have a place in this world to be. And that place is the promised land, Canaan, right? So over many, many years, God is slowly bringing them into the promised land. And now we're at the chapter of finally crossing that big step of faith and then inhabiting the promised land. And then all the challenges that are going to come with that. So let's go to the next one. All right, so today as we talk about what happened as part of this story, the crossing into the promised land, some of the battles and fights, keep in mind these words, courage and trust, okay? Uh, They're pretty big words. We can talk about them in many, many different ways, but uh, we'll see how they fit in how God wants us to understand courage, and how God wants us to understand trust in him. Okay? So let's go to the next one. Um, So here's our outline, what we're going to talk about today really briefly. We're going to spend most of the time on the first one and the second one. Uh, We're going to explain a little bit more of the story of Joshua, or or just like chapter 7 calls it in the book, The Battle Begins. Um, And then we're going to talk about some of the preparation that they took and the first steps they took to actually inhabit the land. And we're going to spend a little bit of time talking about Rahab. Okay, you saw in the video she was the prostitute that helped the spies. Uh, But we'll see how Rahab, as just one person, fits into the very, very big and important story of God. Okay, Uh, and then after they have crossed into the promised land, we'll see how there will be battles that they would go to. Okay, so we'll 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 kind (laughs) of connect it a little bit more towards some of the daily battles that we face in life as we have crossed into the promised land or rather being freed from slavery into freedom through jesus christ and then we'll conclude and as we conclude joshua is the one that's actually going going to stop and go in front of everybody just like the video said and he's going to go to them and say all right people of israel let me tell you what just happened and also let me tell you how all of the things that just happened fit into this very very large story of god so he's the one that's going to stop and actually fit. He's, it's almost like his life heritage, his life legacy. He's going to say, "Look, here's what I have done with you over the last so many years, and here's how that fits in what God is doing." Just like that, right? So let's go to the first one. All right. So um, here's the map a little bit more in detail. You can kind of see over there Egypt, where it says in the corner on the map on the left, and those little two blue streaks like ears. Those are uh, bays of the Red Sea and you can see the line where they're crossing the Red Sea over there, right in the corner, and then going through those desert travels and all that stuff, and then you can see over there they have a little wandering circle. That's where they actually go and first see the land of Canaan and they choose not to inhabit it. And then eventually you can kind of see that that line goes all the way behind that little uh, sea over there, which is the Dead Sea. So they are on the east side of the Dead Sea and on the east side of the River Jordan. And what they have to do is they have to, you can see all the way at the top of the map, how that arrow actually kind of loops over and actually crosses into the promised land. So it's a little bit hard to follow, but I guess you guys can see it. So you can kind of see where the line starts in Egypt over there, on the left side, and then goes down, crosses the Red Sea, goes through the Sinai Peninsula, Mount Sinai over there, and then it has the little loopsy-doops over there, and then goes down again, and then goes all the way up on the, east side or on the right side of the little Dead Sea, and then it looks above it and crosses into the Promised Land, which is where they're crossing over the River Jordan. So you can see on the image on the right, that's a little bit zoomed in. That little bottom portion is just the top end of the Dead Sea. So where the red arrow is, that's where they have stopped. And you can imagine, camps and camps of people. I mean, there's like two million people, right? So it's just a bunch of people. They've kind of camped out, there's animals, there's all kinds of stuff. It's a lot of people. It's busy. It seems like what are we doing next? And Joshua's like, Alright, it's time. We're gonna cross the river. So there's the Jordan River. That little lake on the top is the Sea of Galilee. And the Sea of Galilee should uh, sound familiar to some of you because the Sea of Galilee is the place where Jesus does a lot of his ministry. Okay? So that's that portion over there. So from the Sea of Galilee, the Jordan River kind of goes and then empties into the Dead Sea. And you can see it's kind of blue on the map, and what that tells you geographically is that that's actually a depression. So it's much lower than the normal sea level. So that's actually like lower than sea level. And you can kind of see they're up in a level. It's sort of yellow and brown. It's kind of high mountains and hills. And they have to go down this hill into the valley and go where the river is. And this is a time, the Bible tells us, that it was harvest time. So the river is really big and wide. And it's not an easy task to cross this really big river Okay? With 2 million people over. But we'll see kind of how God provides for that, right? So that's kind of just to give you a little bit of a geographical context of where we are, okay? This is it. They've come, they're on that side. Um, we won't spend time on it, but some of the tribes will choose to stay on that side of the Jordan. But almost all of the other ones will actually cross the Jordan and go into the Promised Land, okay? So let's go to the next slide. All right, so here is what's really, 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 really important over here. Uh, as they start going, and getting ready to cross Five, eight, one, nine, six, seven, There is an important thing here that we need to remember uh, <clears throat> that, that first thing is the word God gives um, God starts by saying I will give you every place And the verse goes on You know, It says um, I will give you every place where you set your foot As I promised Moses But here is the thing that I want you to remember I had no idea that this was going to be really hard to see the red things um, So um, can we, like, drop some lights or something like that um, somewhere? I should have. I don't want all of them um, off, but i I mean, I can kind of see it, so I can read it. I just want to be able to read it because it's verses, and I don't want to paraphrase them and stuff like that. So I'll just get a little closer. But here's the important thing. The important thing is to. Say, the ones that were already sleepy, now it's like even perfect. It's just nice and quiet and dark. It's just I'm going to go bye-bye. But the important thing is that God is giving this to them. Okay, Remember that. You know They're not just fighting and rebelling and doing this stuff. God is saying, look, I'm giving this to you. There are some things you're going to have to do. We're going to have to do this together. But I am giving this to you. Okay, That's the big thing. And then afterwards, it says... No one will be able to stand against you. No one. All the days of your life. And remember that. All the days of your life. And then we'll continue. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Who says something similar to that? I will never leave you nor forsake you. Jesus does, right? As he is getting ready to, um, you know, after he resurrected... And came back and saw his disciples. He's encouraging encouraging them again. And saying, go into the old world. Baptizing them. making disciples. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And um, and, um, "And lo, I am with you until the end of the days. Um, always. So, so look at the thing up there. All the days of your life. And then I will never leave you. So. So those words, never, and all the days of your life are connected. Do you see kind of how it's reiterated? Okay, it's the same thing, right? But it says all the days of your life. Okay? God doesn't take a break on Thursday, all right? Just like there's a commercial on TV about like night and Dayquil, And then, you know, like a mom goes in and says, I'm going to take Thursday off. And the commercial is like, no, moms don't take days off. Like, when you're a mom, you're a mom. Like, you have to take care of your kid all the time. Or dad, for example, right? So, God doesn't take days off when it comes to you. He's with you all the time. We, on the other hand, we may want to take a day off from God. We may be like, you know what, I'm just going to go and do my own thing. But God is with us. All the days of your life, I will be with you. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. And God is speaking specifically to Joshua at the time. So, he's saying, look, I know you got all these people behind you. You're leading them. You have to do all these things with them. Don't worry. I was with Moses. You saw it. You saw how I was helping and leading everything. I'm with you. No worries at all. Relax. So, again, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So, church family, God is with you. Always. He doesn't leave. He's not gone. Don't be afraid of like, oh, I'm going to cross over here and God will leave me. No. God is with you. You cross over here, it's not the right thing. God will be right here and say, uh, you're not supposed to be here. We should go on that side over there. So he will pull you back or he will make you really uncomfortable over there because he told you, you're not supposed to be doing that, Peterson. You're not supposed to do that, Mark. But he's with you, right? Uh, For me, I know Oftentimes when I'm making decisions, I'm like, oh, I'm going to make a decision. I'm going to go over here and I'll be separated from God. Like God will be away and that's it. No, God says, I'm with you. I'm walking with you. If you make a mistake, there's grace and there's mercy and I will guide you back. But I'm with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. So that should be our ultimate courage. That should be our ultimate comfort. That should be our ultimate peace. That God is with us. And he will never, in other words, all of the days of our life. Not just Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, not just Sunday. All of the days of our lives. So he will never leave you for a second. So that's Joshua number 1, verse 5. Alright, so in the red over there it says, no one will be able to stand against you. So I had a question up there in the red saying why with three question marks. Uh, why is no one going to be able to stand against you? Uh, why is Israel all of a sudden like the undisputed heavyweight champion and nobody can like take them down? Like, is it, is it because Israel is just like ginormous and they're just the best fighters? Remember, forty years in the back, they go over to the promised land. It's like, oh, never mind. We're leaving. Why, dude? Did you see those people are giants? They're like seven foot nine. And they bench press like 450 pounds in the morning. Okay, In the afternoon, they do like 650, right? After they've had their cereals and, and Wheaties. So, uh, <clears throat> so remember, they're not huge, gigantic people. They're not super, like, fires. They're not, okay? But they are God's people. So nobody will be able to stand against you because God is with Israel. God is with Israel us, right? So, you have a big challenge, you're not sure how it's going to work out, a big problem. Well, who is with you? God is with you, right? Um, would you feel more comfortable if, I don't know who is your comfort, if the president came over and said, hey, I'm with you, we'll, we'll do this thing together. Will they help you? Maybe? What if, like, your favorite sports person like, came over and knocked on your door and was like, hey, Mark, what's up, buddy? I heard you're going through some hard times. I'm with you. Let's do this thing together. And you're like, okay, I got this. This is cool. This is cool. Um, or somebody has a lot of money. Bill Gates comes over and is like, hi, good morning. I heard you guys are going through some hard times. I'm with you. You know, like, we'll link our bank accounts so we can have, like, access to stuff. I mean, would that make us feel better, right, as opposed to if God is with us? So keep that in mind. And as a result, as a result, God is going to say something to Joshua that he's going to say repeatedly over and over and over and over and over and over again. And that is be strong and very courageous. So again, not, it's not just vain talk, not just, you got this, man, come on, you're good, you're good, you're good. Okay, you, you can do, like, okay, give me 20 more, like 20 more push-ups or something. Like, I, I can't. Like, that's, that's all the muscle I have. I, if I wanted to do, like, two more, I can't do, let alone 20. So it's not like vain talk. God is just kind of pumping up Israel. God is saying to Israel, don't be afraid because there is no reason to be afraid. You don't see this. But I am with you. Nobody can touch you. Nothing. The only thing that they have power to do is, um, in terms of Israel, is for them not to make that step. Not to make that step of obedience. But if they do, they will succeed. But it's their choice to make that step of obedience. So God knows that, and He's saying to them, "Be strong and be very courageous, because this is good. It's going to work out. It's okay. It's good. But I can't force you to make that step. You got to be the one. You got to be the one that takes that leap of step. You got to be the one that goes forward. Okay, step at a time, at a time, at a time. Okay, don't be stuck and frozen." I can't do this. This is too much. No, you can't. Why? Because God is with you. Right? Okay, go ahead. So we already talked about it. As a result, be strong and very courageous. Okay, so is this a case of pride? a question mark for you, right? So I am very strong and very courageous. I can do anything I want. So should that build up pride in my life? Should that make me arrogant? Okay? Let's look at an example of a soldier, all right? Soldiers are people that fight, and they have commanders, they have sergeants, lieutenants, all kinds of people that tell them, look, fight, be strong, be courageous. Um, a soldier is also called to courage, yet he goes in war properly armed. Okay, so he's not too prideful that he's like, Psh, I got this, you know, like the lieutenant tells him, be strong, be courageous. He goes over there and flies into battle, and he just like, he's wearing nothing, like, shorts and a t-shirt right do soldiers go to battle like that no they don't right so likewise what is the proper armament of god's people okay i mean yes these are warriors so don't mistake don't misunderstand me over here when i'm explaining but uh that the israelites were warriors so when they went into battle against jericho and i and makeda and some of the other places that we're going to talk about here they didn't go naked. They had weapons. Okay, they fought. Okay, we'll talk about some nasty things. If they were put in a movie, it'll be rated R, and Grace would probably not go and watch it with me because she's like, I wouldn't be able to handle it, right? So, in other words, serious stuff. So they they do have weapons. So they are partly soldiers. But I'm talking more behind all the armament, behind everything else. What is the proper armament? Okay, because. Just like the Israelites have weapons, so do the people of Jericho. Just like Israelites have weapons and armament, so do the people of Ai. So do the people of Machedad. So if that's it, it's apples to apples, then it's a toss-up who's going to win. But the Israelites have something else. It's a different kind of armament. And that is the type of armament that is the weapon that gives them that ability to say, I am strong and I am courageous. Okay? Uh, and the Bible will say that, you know, I don't trust in, in horses and and and, and, we, and weapons and swords and things like that. Because everybody else has that. That's It's a 50-50. If I'm better, I'll win. If I'm worse, I'll lose. But I trust in God, right? So that's kind of how that should be understood. So here's what God tells to the Israelites and to Joshua about their proper armament. He says, be strong and very courageous. And... Be careful to obey all the laws my servant gave you, all of them. Okay. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. And this is the, this is a word that's super important. You keep that in mind. It says wherever. I know it's a little bit hard to see. It's a little bit in green, but uh, okay. So wherever you go, all right. So this is kind of what they have to do, all right. Keep this. Be successful, you have to kind of keep the law wherever you go. And then, right underneath it, that's verse 7 and verse 8, it says something very similar, but it's kind of interesting to see them put together. It says, Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. So, catch this. This is really key. In the top, it says, How are you going to be successful? How are you going to succeed in all of this? What is your arm by following the law of God, by following all of these things. And then right underneath it, it says, uh, oh, by the way, here's how you make sure that you follow all of these things. Here's how you make sure that you understand everything you're supposed to do, okay? And he says, keep this book of the law always on your lips. In other words, talk about it. It it comes up in a a conversation, tell somebody about it, talk about it, speak it, okay? Meditate on it, think about it, day and night. Um, In our situation translated 21st century, Read your Bible. Okay? Read it. Study it. Come to church. Take notes. Uh, <clears throat> watch a video. Watch a thing on YouTube if you guys watch good service Watch the good ones. Uh, there's probably some questionable ones. But that's a different story. That comes from you being wise enough to understand what is the Word of God and what is truth. And being able to discern whether you should listen to something and accept it or not. According to whether it aligns with what God is saying. right? But... One, follow the law of God, and then number two, this is how you will be able to follow the law of God, by staying close to God, by staying in prayer, by reading your Bible, but making sure that the Word of God dwells richly inside of you, right? Just being inside of you. It kind of lives inside of us. Um, And uh, in the New Testament, it talks about God giving us the Holy Spirit and writing the law of God on our hearts. So that is... It's, when you say in the heart, it's at the core of your being. It's the innermost part of the being. Okay? We talked about um, uh, with Grace the other day when we were driving. The heartbeat of a child is after 18 days. Um, so we like to watch these um, videos about like what develops at different parts of the pregnancy and different things develop different parts of you know, ears, skin, hair, etc. The heart is created at 18 days. Like at 18 days, like the baby is tiny, little bitty thing, right? Um, so that heart is the innermost being. It's sort of like, it's the core around which everything builds, you know? It's like it's like the seed inside, and then the fruit just kind of grows and grows and envelops and around. It's not the last thing that's placed inside, it's the core, and that's kind of what that is. It's about, about having the law of God written deeply inside of our hearts, and then, as a result, we will be able to carry it out. We will be able to fulfill it and live it out every single day. Okay. Go next slide. <clears throat> all right. So, again, these are all repeated. You'll see the same thing over and over again. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the laws my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. I wrote it again because of that wherever. So keep that in mind. That, that's where wherever was mentioned. And then again in Joshua 1, 9. Have I not commended you? Again, the same thing. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. So the first thing we talked about was all the days of your life, never. So that has to do with time. So no matter what's going on, God will never leave you. All the days of your life, right? Now it's places. Okay? It's not about tomorrow or Wednesday or when is that, it's where. And you can see that word coming up again and again and again. And, as I, and again, when, <clears throat> when I was talking to Kevin, it's like, you know, what do we preach and kind of what do we talk about? What do we teach on these lessons? Um, and we were talking about it. Uh, this has a story. In this story, there is many, many different things to talk about, right? But I, don't, I guess Kevin kind of does the same thing as well when he's kind of uh, preparing. But for me, as I'm reading this, the things that are necessary to my life are the things that are jumping up to me. So what am I giving to you guys? I'm giving to you guys the thing that God has fed me. Right? So in my life right now, what's going on? Well, you know, uh, we're struggling with the job and, and issues and fear and crippling and paraly- you know, being paralyzed and being afraid to go and make that step. And Grace knows, you know, we talk about this, we'll stop by and you know, we'll sit down and talk. Honey, Like, how does this work and how does it happen? And we'll discuss it together, right? So, so these are things that God is teaching me, right? And that's kind of how we how we process this, right? So, the wherever jumped to me a lot because um, it's you know in my mind I'm like okay if I do if I go this way that's going to be the wrong thing, like it's going to be the wrong place. I'm going to be at the wrong firm, or I'm going to be doing the wrong thing, or I'll be in the wrong place God is saying again no, wherever you go, I will be with you okay, so in the context of Joshua over here he tells them that you're going to go to some places that you've never been you know, some, uh, some of them all of them, all of these Israelites and people again, these are young, mostly predominantly young people, because what happened to the elders dead okay because they were disobedient and they died out in the desert so most of these are kind of young vibrant excited people you know they have you know they're just ready to go and do whatever god is leading them okay so <clears throat> so but because they're young that means that they were mostly born in the desert they were born in maybe in egypt joshua was born uh, further back because he's a lot older than them <coughs> but they don't know where they're going they don't have google maps they don't have apps on their phone. It's like, okay, I, uh, I, and then, like, open up the phone. and like, uh, Siri, directions to I. And Siri is like, okay, getting directions to, and then Siri would say something like I, like something weird, I don't know, like an accent. Uh, no, they don't have that. They're just kind of going, and the first challenge is a city called Jericho. So we have to deal with that. Afterwards, there's going to be another one. So their compass, their guide, is God. And wherever they go, wherever... Any place, so any time, any place, God is with them. Um, In Psalm 139, verses 7 and 12, and I will just read it for you guys from my phone over here, which I just talked about how it's fancy. Um, But your phones are probably just as fancy as (coughs) mine. Sorry, it's going to open right now. So this is Psalms 139, uh, verses 7 and 12. So this is kinda of interesting and talk about it in the context of wherever you go, I will be with you. So here's what God says in Psalms one hundred thirty nine. Where again, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. So wherever, where is God taking you right now? Where where are you going? Is it scary? Is it new? Is it challenging? Is it different? He will be with you. He'll be with you Friday as well, and Saturday and Sunday, all of the days. Just like that. Okay, next one. <clears throat> all right, so that was just to kind of set our mindset as people are getting ready to cross. Now, the time has come for them to cross the Jordan and go over into the Promised Land. Before they do that, Joshua sends spies. You saw the little guys with the funny sound effect. Beep, 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 beep. Okay, so those are the spies. The story of the spies. What happens with that? Joshua's like, okay, uh, here's what I want you to do. I need, uh, I need two good boys. Let's say Mark and Peter. I want you to go over to Jericho, kind of do little, kind of ninja moves and kind of sneak in and kind of try to go over there. Because here's the thing. Think about it. Uh, spies weren't necessarily liked at the time, okay? So like this whole thing of like James Bond movies hadn't come up, so people didn't really like spies as much. Um, Spies were hated. Okay, if you were caught being a spy, they are like, all right, sorry, you're trying to kill us. Okay, boom, boom. So, spies is a dangerous thing. So, he's speaking like really solid people. He's like, all right, I know Mark can run really fast. I know that Peterson's got like mad ninja skills. I'm gonna send them over there and they're gonna take care of this thing." So, they're gonna go and see what happens in Jericho. So, uh, as I was thinking of that, here's the, here's the application. Uh, Joshua is not afraid He's not like, oh, I'm second-guessing what's going to happen here. Maybe we shouldn't really go. He's not second-guessing. He is being responsible. And he's taking those first little steps, right? So where is God taking you, right? Into the other place. Take those little steps, okay? One step at a time. And then this, this idea of stages. As God is taking them to different places, they go through stages. So it's not a... I'm giving you a promised land and all of a sudden the Israelites wake up next day and they're all in their promised land. They live in their houses, their orchards and everything like that. But it's little steps, one step at a time. So how can we apply it in life? Uh, application in life means that nothing is lump sum given to you. Even if you want like the bingo lottery, they will give it to you in installments. Okay? Like if you want $100 million, like they will tell you if you want lump sum, we will cut it into 40%. If you want the full thing, we'll give it to you in installments. So in life, it's about the little steps in obedience. It's about preparation. Are you starting to do something big in your life? Well, take that first step of obedience, the small one. What is it? Go and do the research. Uh, God is calling you somewhere. Do the research. Um, God is leading you somewhere. Go and check it out. You know, some of the young ones that are getting maybe to go to college, you have an idea of maybe you want to go to a, a school somewhere, Go and take a trip. You know, Say to your parents, mom, dad, brother, sister, if you have an older brother or sister or something, uh, can you give me a ride? I want to go to Gainesville. I want to see University of Florida. Or I want to go to UCF. I want to walk across campus. But little steps. okay? Be faithful, faithful in the little things. And then in the New Testament, something should register with you guys again. Jesus talks about being faithful in little things in parables. And he says what? Uh, whoever is faithful in little To them I will entrust even more okay? He talks about people that are Servants, that are stewards Of these things you know, God entrusts them a little bit The entrusted thing here is Just go and spy out Jericho uh, That's nothing like, Let's not even spy out Like We'll just go and take it you know? No, just go and spy it out It's a little thing I know But go and do the little thing Okay I have to do my homework. Ah, forget homework, I'll just study for my final exam. No, do your homework, it's a little thing. Spend 30 minutes today, do your homework. Tomorrow, do it again. Be faithful. When time comes for something more, when you come to the point where you have to write a gigantic research paper of like 50 pages, then it won't be overwhelming because you were faithful in the little things, okay? So, yeah, this is a big thing that they're doing. They're getting ready to pretty much occupy and take, not occupy, that was a bad word, that's like, like a negative connotation But they're ready to inhabit What God has promised them Okay, But it's not Immediate It's little steps The first step is They're going to send out spies The next thing is They're going to cross the river The third step is something else Okay, And it's just going to be one at a time And another one And another one And another one, and another one. And another one. And another one. It's going to get there Little by little by little okay? Faithfulness in the little things Alright so Let's spend a little time Talking about Rahab over here Because this is super important they send the two spies they're going in there they're going to jericho it's probably in the middle of the night think about that really cool james bond movie there's some kind of cool music in the background Um, um, they go over there like open the door they get inside like they go over there and kind of find their way to the the prostitute's house and you know like a dog bark like in the middle of the night like some guards wake up hey like we heard there's like some people going on there's some spies and the situation is getting tensed up and like all the soldiers and spies get up Like the ones that are guarding, they're going around knocking on people's doors, did you see any spies? Anybody's like, no, 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 haven't. Like they're waking up. It's like really intense. They go over to the prostitute's house and they go over, there's like (laughs) She opens the door. It's like, hey, there's some spies. Like, have you seen them? And the prostitute says, oh yeah, they were, they came and they left, but they're going over there. Meanwhile, she's hiding them in her house. Why would you do that? Let's think about that a little bit. So let's think about the story of Rahab and what she's doing and how it fits into the story of that. Why is she significant? What is it that she did that makes her so important? And as we go on, you'll see why she's so, so, so important. Okay. So let's let's talk a little bit about her. Why she's important? Because there's some things about her that are not really commonly associated with importance. One, she's an outsider. She doesn't belong. She's not part of the group. She's not an Israelite. She is an Amorite. Okay? Amorites were the people that lived in the area of Jericho over there. Okay? Amorites are not considered with a good thing. They're idolatrous people. God is calling Israelite to destroy the Amorites because they are they, they worship idols and they worship other gods, etc. They're not doing the right thing because she's an outsider. Number two, she's a prostitute. Okay? There's some other bad words that we use in our society even back then for that, okay? It's not a profession held in high esteem now, to say the least. It was not a profession held in high esteem back then, okay? So it's not a good thing. You know, prostitutes were never esteemed. It was a low position, a low thing. It was a dirty thing. It wasn't considered honorable or anything like that. Number three, she's a woman. Most of the times, you know, again, we have really excellent examples of women, But a lot of the times, the leaders are men. We talk about people like Abraham, Isaac, and Joseph. And uh, we talk about Moses. A lot of these people are men. She is a woman. But what separates her, what distinguishes her, despite all of these things that would be disqualifiers, is that she saw what God is doing and believed. She saw it. So what God is doing and believed. Go on to the next slide. Mm-hmm. So, uh, when I was reading the, some of the commentaries and stuff like that, how she saw and how she understood, it, it's, kind, it's kind of interesting, but when she sees the spies, she tells them, I don't know why I didn't write this over here, but uh, I should have. Um, Okay, before the spies lay down for the night, she went up on the roof where she was hiding them and said to them, I know that the Lord has given you this land and that a great fear of you has fallen on us so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt and what you did in Sihon and Og, the two kings of the Amorites east of the Jordan. Okay? So she says to them, I know, I heard what happened. How did she hear? I don't know. So I didn't think about it. She's a prostitute. So she sees lots of people, okay? Lots of men, merchants perhaps, were going through from Egypt, marching around. So she would hear things. She's interacting with lots of different people, okay? She heard Now, is it enough to just hear? Okay, Because a lot of those people heard. They're like, I don't care. You heard that, Israelite people. But she heard and then she processed that and she came to a conclusion inside of her to say, you know what, this is it. Has somebody told you about the truth of God? Has somebody revealed to you his gospel? Has somebody revealed to you the good news of the gospel and what Jesus did for you, okay? Well, you heard, just like her, but what have you done with that? Have you processed it? Have you accepted it? Do you understand it? Has it become your thing? Have you embraced that truth? How do you live your life by it? Rahab, despite the fact that she's an outsider, despite the fact that she's a prostitute, despite the fact that she's a woman, despite the fact of all of those things that would disqualify her, despite the fact that she's an Amorite, she heard, and she believed. And because of that, she is given this valuable position in life. Okay? Uh, valuable position in the story of God. So, all right. So, right after that, the spies leave. And then we'll come back, and I'll conclude with uh, Rahab in just a little bit. But uh, after the spies come back, they kind of report to uh, Joshua what happened. And they pretty much tell Joshua, these guys are scared. They're like, we can take care of them. Like, God has already, like, scared them enough. Like, we can take care of business over here. So Joshua's like, all right, it's ready to go. So, we won't spend a lot of time on crossing the Jordan, which is briefly mentioned over here. Although that in itself is worthy of a sermon. But Joshua tells them how it's going to happen. He says, look, we're going to set up a line. We're going to put the Ark of the Covenant. And, you know, you're just going to kind of look at the Ark of the Covenant and just follow at a distance. And, you know, when the priest step their foot into the river. The river is going to stop flowing. Uh, so in other words, the word is going to open up, which is similar to what? Moses. That's right, because you know, when Moses goes into the Red Sea, the Red Sea parts so that they can flow through. Well, similarly, <clears throat> when they're going, they stop, the priests step into the river, the river ceases. And here's the interesting thing. You may say, okay, that's just a river, it's probably dry, nothing. But actually, it actually tells in the Bible when you read it It says that this was harvest time, and at harvest time, the river Jordan is very, very full, okay? So you can't just walk through it, okay? That's not easy with camels and horses and animals and women and children and bags of rice and stuff. I mean, like all their livelihood, if you think about it, you don't just walk through it and just pull horses and camels. Like all the bags of rice and everything will just kind of be taken by the current of the water. They will lose everything that they were carrying. It's not an easy thing, but... God says it's going to work out. Here's how it's going to be. The priests are going to land. The river is going to cease. And it says the water stopped in Adam, which if we are looking kind of on the on the map several slides ago, uh, Adam is just a city like further up in the stream. And it says over there the water collected. But then downstream towards the Dead Sea, like the water was not there. And that's because it was time for them to cross the river and God provided a way. God broke something that was a barrier and, and, a, and a problem and he found the solution for it. So, they're crossing, and they're getting ready to go and attack Jericho. And then another strange thing happens. And God tells Joshua, here's how you're going to take care of the city. You're going to circle around it. You saw in the video. Um, you know, you're going to circle once, and another day. You're going to circle again. And on the last day, you're going to circle seven times. The priests are going to sound their horns, and you guys are going to shout, and I'm going to give you the city. So, to an outsider, you're like, I went to um, West Point. I was top of my class. I uh, was fantastic at strategy. Uh, growing up, all my life, I played Risk and Settles of Catan. I'm undefeated, as a matter of fact, so I'm like awesome in strategies and all these things. So uh, that's not how you take a fortified city. Like, the way you do a fortified city is you do this and this, you starve the people, they don't have food, and then we go over, like in the movies, with the gigantic logs that are on fire, we break down their door, and then we go inside, and first thing we're going to fight against these guys, and then we fight against that guy, and then eventually we beat them. And it's like, no, you guys are going to circle around. Pretty much you're going to go on a hike around the city, and the priests are going to sound the horn every single day for one more time. On the last day, you're going to do it seven times. They're going to sound the horn. You guys are going to shout. See what's going to be given to you. So what does that mean translated today? Well, uh, sometimes God may ask you to do some strange things. Uh, later on down in the in the Bible, when we talked about when we talk about Elijah and Elisha, I forgot which prophet it was. Sorry, I'm quoting here something I'm not quite sure about, but either one of those two. Uh, there's a person that is sick, and one of those prophets tells him go into the Jordan and like dump seven times. Personally, like, I thought you were like somebody that knows what they're talking about. Like, why am I going into the Jordan and dumping seven times? That's silly, right? But he's like, you just have to do it, you know? So to these people, that's what they have to do. So is God telling you to do something and you're saying, that's silly. that That doesn't solve anything. Like, how does that help? I need help with this. I'm trying to help you do that, okay? So sometimes the things that God is telling you to do may sound silly to you, okay? You're like, that's not how you capture a city. I know how to do that. And Joshua was a military leader, and before this, they had actually had some battles before. They had to fight something. So he knew what's going on. But he's not questioning God. He's like, look, I made a covenant with God. I, I i agreed to listen and to trust God as he's leading me. God says, you guys have to do this. He's like, okay, that's what we have to do. I'm the leader. Priest, come over here, listen up. You, 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 and you, go over there. The rest of you soldiers, follow them. No questions asked, just go and do it. He doesn't question anything, just trust God. Boldly, right? Unfortunately, we don't do that very often. You know, we, we question, we, we wonder, like, oh, I'm not sure about that, that sounds kind of silly. We trust God. Sometimes it will be silly, okay? The capturing of Jericho. Act in faith even if it seems strange. In Isaiah 55, verse 9, there's a verse that most of us know. It says, As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. In other words, you don't know everything. Human being, you're just a human, you are created not the creator. God says as the heavens are higher than the earth so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. And then in Proverbs 25 and 6 you know the famous verse that most of us know trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not in your own understanding in all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. Okay? So, humility and a proper perspective of understanding of who we are and who God is when he's leading us to do things. Okay, next slide, Peter. All right, so after Jericho is conquered, Rahab and her family are spared because the spies make a deal with her. She says, look, I'm going to help you guys out. But after you guys capture Jericho, she's like, I know it's going to happen. Like, I know that God is going to give you this. It's going to happen. So once you guys capture everything and you burn and kill every single thing in, in the city, please spare my family. Do we have a deal? Spies are like, you got it. All right, so they go and tell Joshua and Joshua's like, okay, well, you guys are killing everybody. Uh, He says, you two spies, you are in charge to make sure you go over there and you go back to the prostitute's house, the one that spared and kind of helped you guys out and you and her family, make sure nothing happens to them. You guys got it? And they're like, we got it, okay. So they go over there and help her out and it says she was spared according to the agreement she made with the two spies and then in verse uh, 25 in Joshua 6 it says and she lives among the Israelites to this day. So here's the beautiful thing about it. When we go into the New Testament, in Matthew 1, verse 5 and 6, we have one of the things that Kevin talked about last week when he was telling you guys to kind of read some things but maybe skip some passages because they would be boring for you now. But then he said, but later on, they will be probably the most important things to you. So if it's boring to you now, skip it, but definitely come back later because it says something really important. And that is a word that he used, which is the word genealogy which has to do with lineages of things, okay? Like, who is your grandmother? Who is your great-grandmother? Great-great-great-grandmother, right? And going back kind of in line. To the Israelites, that was really important. So in Matthew, Matthew sets up the genealogy of who? Jesus, okay? So as he's telling who the lineage of Jesus is back, look who is in there. We have Solomon, the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. So, who is Solomon and who is Rahab? So, they were the mom and dad of Boaz. Well, who is Boaz? Well, Boaz, later on in the Bible, you see that Boaz marries Ruth, another outsider. And you can see Boaz, the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. So Boaz and Ruth have a kid named Obed. And Obed is the daddy... Of another human being called Jesse. And Jesse is whose daddy? David's daddy, okay? And who is David? He's the king of Israel, the person that wrote the Psalms. And we talk about the lineage of David when we talk about Jesus, right? So the person that was an outsider, an Amorite, a prostitute, a dirty person, a woman. She was an idolatress, but a person that when God called her out, she heard God's voice, heard it, understood it, and accepted, became a believer, and she lives among the Israelites to this day, so it's kind of like she was adopted into God's family. It's kind of like what happens with us when we believe. We're adopted into God's family, and we live among God's people to this day. She is the person that becomes a critical person in the lineage of there. So go to the, the next slide. Mm-hmm. The so here's the lineage again, and there's Rahab in green. And this was just one of the commentaries that stuck a lot with me, so I'll just read the phrase from you guys. But here's what it says about Rahab. It says, Rehob is a fitting illustration of another miracle of divine grace, namely the calling forth of his church out of a godless Gentile world. Okay? So God led those Spies to her, okay, and so she can have an interaction with the truth of God, okay. So he's calling her out, and as God is calling her out, no matter what your background is, I don't care if you failed all your classes in college, I don't fail if you were a person that lusted and looked at pornography, I don't care if you were a prostitute and you slept with men for money, I don't care if you were on drugs. I don't care if you were married four times like the woman at the well was or five or even more times. I don't care. That's the past. I'm calling you right now. What are you going to do with it? Are you going to accept my grace? Are you going to accept my forgiveness and forget about the past and focus on the future? Or are you going to keep on dwelling in the old and just say, woe is me, woe is me? No, that is calling you out. Step out in faith. Okay? That's why the story of Rahab is so beautiful and so interesting. Okay? And as a result of The acceptance of God's grace, God gives her such a prominent place, right? In the lineage of Jesus. Okay, so let's go to the next one. We're going to wrap up pretty fast because these guys are going to go a lot faster. So, in the next one, we talk about the daily battle. So, that big first step has happened. The first big battle has happened, and they have success. They learned about God. So, now the next thing is the battles haven't stopped, the battles keep on coming. It's one after another after another after another but should they lose courage no again god will keep on saying do not be afraid be of courage okay that's why that verse on the top is have i not commanded you be strong and courageous do not be afraid do not be discouraged for the lord your god will be with you wherever you go so you can kind of think about all these different (coughs) military and conquering uh missions that they're taking as they're doing that you can think about meditating on that word Like that thing is almost like a uh, If you if you have seen comics And you see a bubble with like little dots How can a person thinks about something All the time as they're going through stuff Well think about that bubble And that thought in their mind As they're going through all of these different fights and battles And things like that you know? They're going and they have to fight the next person And that thing is in their mind They're, you know, they're not necessarily saying it But it's like they can hear God saying Be strong and courageous And they're like okay, we got this So But what happens is mistakes. So, uh, ta-da, surprise, they're humans. They make mistakes. So how does that work? How do we learn from the fact that they make mistakes? Uh, In the story of Joshua, we have an example of a guy named Achan. He was one of the Israelites. So he is given to us as an example of sin. Okay, he does something where they go in one of those cities and they take plunder of all of those different things, all of the gold and stuff that was taken from the city, the, the plunder, as it's called. Was supposed to be given and dedicated to God, okay, because God is the one that helped them conquer the city. He wanted to take something. Okay. So it's given to us as an example of sin, rather disobedience. So as a result, we have we understand how Joshua and the Israelites learn to deal with this process of repentance. Purging of all that is evil and bad, so that you continue in a good way. So as a result, Aiken has to die so that we learned that for the bad things that we do or for the sin that we do there is a cost the Bible calls it a wage the wage of sin is death okay? nowadays we don't really see that as much because if somebody makes a mistake they're not put to death we we're talking about it with grace a couple of days ago about capital punishment and some of the atrocious crimes that people do nowadays you know like ridiculous things like they'll they'll Kidnap like a little girl and, and rape her and slaughter her, like stuff that's even beyond comprehension, right? And then we still don't have capital punishment. In those days, like if you sin on a thing that's wrong and you're not supposed to do, you're put to that. Why? You may say that's inhumane. The reason is because God is building a nation from the foundation up. And the truth of The nation building has to be established, and the truth that is important here is that when there is sin, the consequence for that sin is death. Like that has to be clear. If that's not clear, then what Jesus does for us afterwards has no worth, has no value. If Achan doesn't have to die for his sin, then Jesus dying is unnecessary. Jesus comes and says, "I died for your sins," and Achan is like, "Why'd you have to die for me? I didn't have to die for my sins." That's, like, your choice. But because of what Achan does, he deserves to die. Because of what you have done, you deserve to die. Because you rebelled against God. Okay? You sinned against God. You, it, it's, it has separated you from God. In Romans, it says, the wages of sin is death. That has to be clear. You have to understand that. So that then, you understand that 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 you're supposed to take is what falls on Jesus. And as a result... Free, right? But the gift of God is eternal life In Christ Jesus our Lord So the example of Achan application today Well as you're going through your little battles Daily uh, You will mess up sometimes Okay Surprise it will happen Okay, You will wake up and you will hate the world You will have a bad hair day Or you will fight with somebody at home Or your husband or your wife will say something to you, you will, Your girlfriend will Send you a text message that says Sorry but we're done. Um, your mom will tell you something bad or... Stuff happens, okay? You have a bad day. Issues are... You're mad. You go to school. You get in fight with people. Life happens. When you make mistakes, are you under God's grace? If you are under God's grace, the process is repent and purge the things that are evil. You made a mistake. You did something wrong. Repent from it. What does that mean? I was doing this. I was fighting with this kid. I'm like, I'm sorry I was fighting you. That was a mistake. I will not fight with you anymore. You see it? Complete opposite. I was doing drugs, and that's wrong because it's destroying my body, which is the temple of the Lord. I will not do that. Or let me do another one. We talk about this a lot uh, because eating and nutrition is important in our home because we have to be really careful kind of what we eat and stuff like that because of uh, Grace's condition with diabetes. Uh what if you are doing something else that's legal, but it's damaging to your body? And is that just as sinful? Well, yes, it is. So if you're doing something that's sinful and hurtful and damaging to your body, but society or culture approves it. Example, eating dozen dozen donuts every day. Well, it's like doing drugs, because sugar is like a drug, right? So whatever it is that you're doing, Repentance means turning away and not doing it again, and you accept the forgiveness of God and you forgive about, forget about it. Okay, it's in the past. Yeah, I used to eat a dozen donuts every day, but that's my old me. Now, I don't do that anymore. Okay, I do strawberries or something. I don't like uh, whatever is healthier. Okay, uh, the example, of another thing is different. Uh, different enemies call for different strategies. Okay, so your battles are going to be different. Every day, you're not gonna, your battle when you're 17 and you're in high school are going to be different when you're 25 or 30 or 35 or 40 or 50 or 60 or 70 or 80. Okay, Different ones. Okay, Battles are different. The strategies are going to be different. Okay, In other words, the Israelites fought different people. They didn't fight Jericho every single time, which was a certain size walled city. There was a different one every single time, and their strategy was a different one. Okay, And God would lead them and tell them what they have to do to win that. So, different strategies and different battles... The strategy is different, as in the example of I and Makeda, but the principle is the same. Who do you follow? Excuse me. Do you follow God, because he's the one that tells you how to take care of all of these things. Okay, next slide. Okay, and as they're winning all of these things, something interesting happens, and God tells Joshua to do this. They start establishing memorials and altars to the Lord. Okay. Uh, this is really, really important. Why? To remember what God did. Simple as that. As simple as that. What did God do in your life? When we, stomp- when we come over here on Sunday, Kevin always asks in the testimony, What did God do for you this week? What kind of testimony of praise do you have? What's happened in your life? What are you thankful for? Uh, God fed me this week. Amen. Praise God for that. Uh, I got straight A's on my report. I'm doing really good at school. Like, we're doing really good with family, or something good happened. Well, Memorial. Praise it, remember it, okay? That was really important to the Israelites. The memorials weren't necessarily something incredibly fancy. Oftentimes they were just rocks. They would put like several rocks, pile of rocks, and that would memorialize what happened, okay? So after the crossing of the Jordan, when they crossed and the uh, priests opened up the river, uh, they set up a memorial, okay? To say, look, God opened up the river so we can cross the Jordan so that we can remember. Um, the verse is that Joshua built on Mount evil an altar to the Lord the God of Israel as Moses the servant of the Lord had commanded the Israelites so this idea of remembering what God has done in the past is a very very important one because it teaches us to um, trust God even more because when you see how God worked with you in the past it really helps you trust God in the future Um, and uh, uh, and we talk about this idea of trust between humans. Trust is really difficult to build build, but really easy to break. And what I mean by that is uh, in life and relationships between siblings, parents etc., significant others you work on building a trust. And the more and more you trust each other, the more relaxed you are. Okay? The more your walls go down. And then somebody breaks that trust and now all of a sudden, because you were so, for lack of a word, naked and exposed, they cut you deep, right? Now, next time you see them, you have even more walls and more covers because you're like, I'm scared of you. Well, guess what? With God, you don't have to worry about that because God is going to let us to trust Him more and more and more and more. And He will never fail to trustworthy at any moment in our life because he said, I will always be with you wherever you go at all times. Does this make sense? Awesome. Alright, next one. right. After they finish all of this fighting and stuff like that, (coughs) Joshua read all the words of the law, the blessings and the curses, just as it's written in the book of the law. There was not a word of all that Moses had commanded that Joshua did not read to the whole assembly of Israel, including the women, and children, and the foreigners who lived among them. So, a little bitty thing over here, because we have lots of women, we have lots of little ones. The Bible calls them children. Uh, And we have a few foreigners over here, okay? Um, And uh, Joshua read it to all of them. For the word of God, God's truth, is not just for an elite, it's not just for the top of society so that they can control and rule the masses, the word of God is truth and food and nutrition for everybody, for the men, for all the Israelites, including the women and their children and the foreigners. So we have lots of talk in today's society about foreigners, etc. Like uh, uh, this is not a political platform over here for, any, any, for anything like that. But remember that foreigners are very, very important in the word of God. Uh, and the reason foreigners are very important in the Word of God is because God tells them, remember, Israel, there was a time when you were a foreigner in another land, and they could have done anything to you because you were a foreigner. You were the odd one in that group. But you lived. So now, when they're foreigners, would you love them, respect them, care for them? As a matter of fact, welcome them. Teach them the Word of God. Teach them the truth. You know, don't, like, oh, you're a foreigner, you're not going to hear what God has to say. But... Teach them everything. So in other words, the foreigner uh, has an important role, just like the children, just like the women. Okay? Oftentimes they'll say the Bible doesn't really respect women, etc. No, the Bible is very respectful of women. We talked about how Rahab plays an important role. We talked about the mother of Jesus, how women played an important role in the ministry of Jesus. Uh, and we talk about children oftentimes as they're not really important. They're not part of the group. Well, they are. Um, they were part back then in the Old Testament, and they're obviously a very big part in the New Testament because Jesus placed so much emphasis and times on children. Okay, and let's finish uh, with the conclusion of what actually Joshua does. This okay, this I'm just going to mention it. We're going to talk about it in our if we, there's any time in our kind of talk time. But it says, all these kings and their lands Joshua conquered in one campaign because the Lord, the God of Israel, fought for Israel. Think about this. What about you today? What are your battles? What is God helping you fight? What are you scared of fighting? And God is calling you and challenging you to fight. So keep that in your mind kind of when we talk about it. And now let's conclude with just kind of what Joshua tells the people over here. So after they finish everything, I'm not going to read it because it's really long. But what Joshua does as it stops, he's really old. He's an old dude now. Uh, he was 110. Is that correct, Kevin? I think. Yeah, I think that's what he was. Um, he was 110 when he died. So this is near his death. When was the last time you saw somebody 110 years old, or somebody—forget 110—somebody somebody older than 100? Have you ever seen somebody older than 100? Okay, Jerry has. Okay, 100. Old, 100 old people are kind of frail, They're barely walking. When he was talking to Israel. He probably wasn't booming voice like let me tell you what to do you know it's probably hard to you know his lungs are not as big you know he can't say as much he's probably really quiet maybe i'm guessing maybe some people had to kind of help and deliver the message etc but he's finishing up the leadership and what god called him to do nevertheless and he is saying look i'm done i finished it's kind of like what paul says i have ran the race i have fought the fight i'm at the end He's like, I was called to do a certain thing. My people, I led you. I trusted God and I led you into this new land. Let me tell you how this fits into what God is doing. Remember our forefather Abraham. They lived way out on the other side. They didn't serve God. They didn't serve the Lord. They served idols. They served all kinds of other things. But God called them out. Who else did God call out in the story that we talked about today? A woman. Rahab, right? God called them out. right? see how God calls people Himself. god called abraham abraham says yes i will follow god they go on a journey go over to the promised land he has to trust god the story of isaac story of jacob israel the kids traveling joseph egypt coming back through moses getting over here and now he's like look all of these battles god did all of that for you so as you're continuing on whatever the next chapter is just keep that in mind and here's what he says in conclusion: Now, fear the Lord and serve Him with all faithfulness. In no way the gods your ancestors worshipped beyond the Euphrates River it talks about the ancestors of Abraham. And in Egypt, and in Egypt, whatever the Egyptians worshipped, we talked about Amun Ra and all those other gods that the you know we talked about. The, that God did the water, the blood in the water, the frogs, the lice. I mean, they had all kinds of gods. Forget about all that stuff. But million Jews suffered the in AD, Don't serve any of them Don't Just fear the, the Lord and serve him only Throw away all those other gods But he tells them But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you He's giving them a choice like, If the you the guys ear, don't want to serve God Then, then choose for yourself This day who, who you will serve The red thing says Whether the gods your ancestors Worship beyond the Euphrates Which he kind of reiterates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. The Amorites were idolaters. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That's the famous verse. Lots of people have it in their homes, on a plaque, etc. So here's the little thing about the red thing. Whether the gods your ancestors worship, who, what kind of faith relationship do you have in your family in the past? Your mom, dad, your grandma. Who do they worship? Were they... God following people, were they a different religion, were they idolaters, did they used to go to different things, were they into voodoo, were they into something else, I don't know, everybody, every one of us has a heritage, has a past of what our families did, okay, if it's not worshiping God, it's not the right thing, so he's telling them, choose, are you going to worship what your parents and your grandparents worshipped when they were idolaters, or are you going to worship what the gods of the Amorites in whose land do you live in? Are you going to worship the God of today? Are you going to worship money? Are you going to worship power? Are you going to worship uh, prestige, luxury, uh, universalism, whatever this world worships now in this day, right? Or are you going to worship the Lord, the God? And Joshua says, for you, I don't know. Right? He's like, I can't force that on you. It's not on my part. I can't force you to worship anything." choose the past. You can choose whatever this world is happy with at this moment. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord, right? So, so that's it. Um, I don't think we have much time because it's almost one o'clock. I always try to kind of speed it up and I always run out of time. I guess that's kind of how it is. But um, I don't, we don't have time to talk about at the table. But think about it in your mind, the battles, the things that we talked about. What is it that you're going through? Okay? Trust God. Help you with them. Okay? And then you just make that step. Just a little one. Preparation, obedience, that stage, and then trust in God for the rest. Okay? Um, let's, uh, I think we have, to, we can pray for the food, right, Kev? Okay, all right. So let's pray and then uh, we'll kind of clean up and get ready for lunch, right? Um, let's pray. Our Father, thank you, Lord, for. Uh, Uh, teaching us from your word thank you that your truth is available to us thank you lord for your goodness towards us and your mercy and your patience as we're learning uh, how to trust you more lord so i pray that uh, your children lord are encouraged today from the word and um, whatever situation in life they're in they will choose to trust you more and more and be courageous as they're going forward Um, thank you father we have an opportunity to eat lunch together and just Spend time with each other. I, play, I pray you bless our time and our fellowship, and bless us with our body, Lord. And we love you, Father, and pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So let's clean up tables, and then we'll get going with.